0: I don't know about you guys, but on a morning like this, I think I top out at about 80% of my energy level, like on a typical day, you know, you just get up, it's just dreary, and then it's like following a day that was dreary yesterday, so anyway, I, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I gotta go up here and give this message, and uh, I'm so thankful that God is able to use whatever we bring to Him and offer Him, that He doesn't need a perfect offering. Because I am never perfect, as it turns out. And so maybe you experience that too. So I'm so thankful that uh Jesus was perfect for us, so that I don't have to be. And uh I can come and just he, he just wants us to offer whatever we have. And so uh so that's what we're here to do this morning. You know, bad things happen when soldiers don't take their training seriously. So uh, Pastor Chuck was telling me a story from years ago when he was in the Marines, 1966 Camp Pendleton. They were training to use the bazooka. And so they, they did all this training in the classroom, then they got out to the field. And, and one of the, the important things that they stressed is that a bazooka has a 30-foot back blast. So they told people, don't, don't get anywhere close to 30 feet. I mean, you stay away from that back blast. Or, or bad things are going to happen. And so they talked about it in the classroom, talked about it when they got out to the field. And then sure enough, one day they're out there and, and someone is, is practicing, learning how to shoot this bazooka. And someone was not paying attention, not being careful, got within that 30 feet, was killed instantly. And so you, you look at something like that and you say, that, that is tragic for that individual, obviously, and, and for their, their family. Also, for the, the soldiers around him, imagine the morale then for the rest of that day, week, month. I mean, this was someone that they were training with, a friend of theirs, and here he is because of just negligence, because of just not not paying attention. Uh, he was killed. And And then think about just the objective as a whole. When soldiers are not being careful, they're not able to pursue the objective that they're really there to accomplish. And so, um, we experience those things in in our lives as well. The challenge for us is that you and I are too often like that soldier who was not paying attention and not being careful. Sometimes we we are not taking seriously the battles that are going on around us. The the authors of Scripture are very clear that there is a spiritual war going on behind the scenes. Um, Tony Evans is a, a pastor and an author. He, he says it this way. He says, spiritual warfare is the battle in the invisible world that is responsible for the battles in the visible world. So there is this, this cosmic battle really going on behind the scenes between the forces of good angels that God has created and fallen angels that are under the command of of Satan. This cosmic battle is going on behind the scenes, and that battle breaks into our visible world in the form of of all kinds of things. And I, I think at this this point, if you're if you're here this morning and you're you know kind of checking out the Christian faith and and checking out the Bible. At this point is where you kind of go, eh, okay, I'm I'm clocked out here for the rest of this message because this is all just like spirits and demons and spooky stuff. And I don't I don't buy into that. I don't buy into anything that doesn't go under a microscope. Right? And I, I get that. That's very much uh kind of there's a lot of people in your camp. Right? But I, I guess I would ask you to consider this 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 morning. I mean, again, the, the picture that the scripture paints for us is that life is more like a war zone than it is like a, a vacation resort. I mean, I wish it wasn't that way. I, I mean, I really, I like my, my comfort. And so like last season, as it was starting to get cold, we, we needed a new thermostat because I, the thermostat in our house was just one of these basic things, couldn't program it or anything. So I said, we need to get a smart thermostat. And so we got a smart thermostat. And what's cool, my wife doesn't really care about this. I think it's the coolest thing because when we're, when we're going to bed and like we're, we're getting under covers, you know, and we're going to be warm there. I still hear the heater running. I'm like, we don't need the heater to run anymore. Let me get my phone and I can shut the heater off. I can change the thermostat. I don't even have to walk downstairs to change my thermostat. It's so cool. I think that's great. So that's, that's the way we, we love comfort. But the reality is that in our world, there's spiritual battle kind of breaking in in all these different areas. Consider, think about the broken families that you know. You may be part of one. Consider the abuse that goes on and is is huge in the news right now. All of these stories that are surfacing. I think this is mind-boggling because if you look back over our history and you think about the advances that we have made in science, in, in psychology, I mean, shouldn't we be beyond these kinds of things and treating each other in these kinds of ways by now? I mean, I thought we were on a trajectory of progress. I mean, doesn't it seem strange to you that in the most privileged country on earth where we have all kinds of entertainment available to us, that people still say, I'm going to choose to try out drugs. I'm going to choose to escape from the reality that we think is, many of us think is the best possible reality you could have on the planet. And yet people are trying to escape from that. That says to me, there's something else going on here Behind the scenes. Because if you look at it on the surface, it doesn't make any sense. And so if there is a spiritual battle going on behind the scenes and we're not paying attention, if we're not careful, then that's when our legs get blown off or or worse. That's when God's objective in our lives is not able to get accomplished because we're not not paying attention. Attention. And so th- this morning, um, what we're going to do, I actually this morning, what I would ask you to do is even think about in your own personal experience and in your own life right now. Wh- where is it that you feel like there's a, there's a huge rock that you're trying to push up the hill and you might get it an inch or two at a time, but it just keeps wanting to roll right back down. That it's like there's something fighting against you. I would suggest maybe there actually is. And, and this morning what we're going to do is we're going we're to look back to a, a historical battle that took place thousands of years ago. We're going to look at the preparation and the provision to get ready for that battle because that same provision is available to us and to you today in whatever it is that, that you are facing. So if you would take a Bible and turn to Joshua chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, Joshua 1 is on page 198 of a, there should be a Bible there close to you on the seats. If you're new here with us this morning, we're in the middle of a message series that we're calling God's Grand Story, which is looking back to some historical key events that show us what God has done in the past so that we can understand what God can still do and wants to do in in our present, and so we're looking at these historical events as as like Cairns, as as the idea of memorial stones that that remind us we, we don't want to lose sight of the past because we don't want to duplicate the the mistakes of the past. And so uh, one of the things that you find if you're reading through the Hebrew Scriptures reading through the Old Testament, maybe you're reading through the Bible in a year as as I am, or you're keeping up with the devotions that we're doing for for God's grand story. One of the things you find is there are a lot of battles in the Old Testament. There's a lot of war going on. And honestly sometimes when I'm reading that, I, I think this just seems a little barbaric. It's like, don't these people have anything else to do other than like, you know, pick battles all the time. But the reality is, like we we don't you and I fortunately don't live in a physical war zone like that, but the, the reality is that there are battles going on that the battlefields just look different for us. So context for what we're going to read here this morning in Joshua chapter one. The, the Hebrew people were enslaved in Egypt for 430 years. Moses, God raised up a man named Moses, who went to Pharaoh, said, "Let my people go." Pharaoh said, "No. God said, "We'll see." and 10 plagues later he's bringing them out of slavery and if you were here last week we saw that God actually led his people into a spot where they were trapped they were trapped between mountains the egyptian army and the red sea in front of them and God did that so he could demonstrate to them i'm able to part this sea just like i was able to bring you out of slavery i'm able to part this sea in front of you there's nothing that i can't do so he parted that sea they they moved on to freedom and then they began their trek, they continued their trek to the promised land, this land that God had designated for them to live in. So they, they're moving through the, the wilderness and they, they got to the edge of the promised land. They sent in spies because they wanted to check it out. What is, what is this, what are these battles going to be like? What are we facing? And 10 of the 12 spies came out saying, wow, we should not be going in there. This is, this is doomed. This is bad news. There's giants in the land. We are no match for them. We look like grasshoppers to them. And they got the whole country, the whole mass of people stirred up and grumbling and angry and, and wanting to stone Moses, in fact, and say, how could you have brought us into this situation? And God is you know, saying, hey, look, look what I did. I mean, I, I got you out of Egypt. I took you through the Red Sea. You don't think I can take care of, of these people. And so God disciplines them and he says, you know what? All you people who don't believe I can take care of this, you don't get to go in. You're, you're just going to wander around in the desert for 40 years until you've all died off and then your children can go in. This isn't the message for today, but this is an important point for us is to understand. That God disciplines his people. He, he didn't reject them as his people, although he was considering it. He didn't reject them. He kept them as his people, but he said, you're, you're not going to get to enjoy my blessings because you've been disobedient. This is an important lesson for us. Because when we come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, he doesn't ever reject us then and leave us, and we, we will always be his people. But if we are disobedient and unbelieving, he will discipline us. And so we, we shouldn't think that uh, if we don't continue obeying and listening to what God has to say, that he's just gonna look the other way and wink and just be like, ah, eh, it's okay, you're my child. You're still his child, but he will discipline you. So we should just be clear on that. So they get to the edge of the land. Now all of the people have died off. The next generation is ready to go in. God calls Joshua to lead them in. In, and so that's where we pick this up. Now, I want you to imagine as God is calling Joshua to lead this group of people into the promised land. They are by this time millions of, of people. And so imagine millions of unruly people, kind of like this past week, parade, Thursday, millions. Actually, no, tr- truth is, I mean... I talked to some of you are, are here who were there at the parade. It was not unruly mob of people. So congratulations, Philly, on winning the Super Bowl and <laughs> celebrating responsibly for, for the most part. Okay. So anyway, so that's, that's pretty impressive. But here's Joshua needing to somehow mobilize this huge mass of people to go in and, and face these foes, face these people in this land who don't want to give their land up. Okay, so there's gonna be a fight over that. Plus, he's following Moses. I mean, Moses is a legend in his own time. And then he's passed away now, and Joshua's gonna step. I mean, this is pretty intimidating. I'm thinking, I, I wouldn't want that, that job. But God is gonna commission him, and, and the, the message here for us today is that God equips us for what he calls us to. So whatever battle it is in your life and your world that God is calling you to, he is able to equip you for that. And we're going to see three pieces of equipment, of equipping, that God gives to Joshua this morning. Those of you who love outlines and love alliteration, you're going to love this this morning. Okay, i got three Ps for you. He gives Joshua a purpose and a promise and a provision. That's what we're going to see here In Joshua chapter one. All right. Starting in verse one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. Now, here we are. Verse four. Here's the purpose that they are going after. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Okay, God is giving them a, a purpose here. And what he's doing is he's drawing a map. He's saying, here are your boundaries. Here's what I want you to accomplish. There's a clear objective. Every army needs a clear objective. So he's basically drawing them a map with the boundaries. And he's saying, Joshua, here is your purpose. Because Joshua, as a leader, and, and the people who are following him, they need to know when they have accomplished what the purpose is that God has given them to do. We need to know when this job is done. I mean, think about D-Day. I mean, talking about battles. I mean, the objective and the purpose for D-Day had to be very clear because everybody knew going into that day there was going to be huge, huge losses. But there was a purpose in approaching it that way to say we're, we're going to go in. Our first purpose is we've got to get onto the beach there in France and we've got to establish a stronghold. So then we can push further into France and we can push the Germans back and we can eventually liberate France. That, that objective had to be very, very clear to them because if, if it wasn't and they start getting into those battles and they start seeing their friends dying right and left all around them, then they're thinking, I'm giving up. I'm, I'm going back on the boat. I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here. I mean, the purpose has to be very clear. And so God draws very clear boundaries to say, Joshua, here's where you're going. Here's what I want you to accomplish. Secondly, God gives Joshua a promise because every army needs to have hope. So in verse five, he says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. So see, here's something. God, God gives a promise, and, and we have an advantage that our human leaders in, in the army never have, and that is our commander knows the future. I mean, he knows how it's going to turn out. So when he gives a promise, I mean, he he knows that we're going to win. When he promises that we're going to win, it's not just hopeful optimism. I hope this is going to turn out rah, rah, let's charge everybody up. It is actually you're going to accomplish what I'm asking you to do because he sees the future. And so that's one promise. And then the other promise is he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. So it's kind of a picture of that. I I brought a sweater here this morning just to kind of symbolize God's presence, that God's presence is as close to us as a piece of clothing that we put on and he will not leave us or forsake us. That was a promise that God made to Moses as Moses was leading the people. And at one point God said, I've had enough. He got frustrated a number of times along the way with his people and he said, "I'm, I'm done. And Moses said, I'm not going on I I will not go on with this trip unless you go with me. And so God said, okay, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Our our greatest promise as we face the battles in our life is that God is with us. Because if God is with us fighting our, our battles, it's like having the biggest kid in class on your side against the bully. He's never going to lose. And he's never going to run out of provisions, which is the third, the third P and the third thing that God talks about here in verse 7. He says, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success This is a little surprising to me as God is talking to Joshua I would have expected if they're preparing to go to battle and go in and face all these foes and take this I would have thought God is going to talk to to Joshua about weapons about tactics but instead, he's talking to him about this book of the law. He says, if, if you want to be successful, then you, you need my truth... In your mind, on your heart, you need to be meditating on it. You need to not let it out of your mouth. It talks about meditating. That word meditating actually is the idea of of murmuring. It's like you're kind of murmuring it to yourself. You're saying it out loud. You're, you're trying to get it in your mind, in your heart, in your life. That that's permeating. See, a lot of times the battles that we face, whatever the nature of them, we, we, we try to go after them in a physical way. We head to the doctor or we head to a, a counselor or we do something that, that's tangible rather than first running to what God calls us to, which he says, I want you to run to my truth. I want you to start there. It doesn't mean that you can't go to the doctor. It doesn't mean you shouldn't go to talk to a counselor. I mean, there's places for all of those things. But at the root of all of the battles that we face in life, there's a spiritual piece to that. And the provision for that spiritual battle is God's truth. Jesus demonstrated that for us, if you're familiar with Jesus' temptation in the desert. So Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, Satan comes to Jesus because Satan wants to deter Jesus from his objective. Jesus came with the objective to live a perfect life and offer his life as a sacrificial, perfect sacrificial lamb, in place of you and me, who are incapable of living a perfect life. And so Satan came to him to tempt him to try to get him to sin so that he would no longer have a perfect life. Satan tempts him in three ways, the same three temptations that the original man and woman fell to and sinned. And so Satan comes with those same temptations. And what, does, what provision does Jesus have? What does he use to fight that temptation? The word of God it is written. It is written. It is written. So in the battles that you and I face, that's where we begin, is to find what has God said about this, what promise has He made to me, and then I'm going to hold on to that when Satan comes knocking on my door, when the battle starts flaring up, when things start getting hot, it is written, but it is written. See, God equips us for what he's called us to. So I want to apply these things. I want to show you how this works, this, um, this purpose and promise and provision. I want to show you how this works in two very common areas of our lives. And as we're doing this, I'm really just modeling for you what you can do in your own life, your own battle that you're facing. Okay, so let's talk about two common things that that we face. The first is the money battle. Okay, Money is a field for spiritual warfare. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, to keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. For a long time I thought this was really odd that That this verse, the writer to the Hebrews, would quote Joshua chapter one when he's talking about money. This is like, you know, a thousand, two thousand years later after Joshua. Why? What's the connection between I will never leave you or forsake you and um, not having love of money and being content? And it occurred to me as I was studying for for this message that the, the connection is that money is a spiritual battleground in our lives, and and in our world. I mean, money is competing with our hearts for our heart's affection and devotion. Uh, Jesus said it this way in in Matthew chapter 6. He said, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is a battleground in our culture, in our world, and not just not just ours. It's it's all through history, all all through the world. It just takes a different face. I mean, Jesus said th- this battle comes down to the, that choice. Am I am I going to serve material things? Whether that means I'm I'm going after those material things for for status to impress somebody else, to be able to be self sufficient, or for security. So that I don't have to rely on God, I, I want to rely on my bank account. I want to have enough in there. I want to have enough for retirement that I don't have to rely on God. That's a competing. That's competing for our affection and our hearts. That's a battleground. And so, what we see is a a purpose and objective right right there in uh, Hebrews chapter thirteen. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content. That's not easy to do. In, in our culture when we are constantly having ads thrown at us, showing us things that we don't need, but we wish we could have. Be, to, to be content and keep your life free from the that's a battleground. So that's the command, that's the boundary, that's what God is calling us to. And then the promise that He gives us, this is the promise that we get for every battle that we're facing. I will never leave you or forsake you, just as he said to Joshua, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's good news, because if God is not leaving you or forsaking you, that means you have an unending supply of whatever it is that you need, which may not be the same as what you want, but it is what you need. So we have our purpose, we have our promise, and then our provision is, what has God promised, what has he said about this, so that I can hold on to when that battle gets fierce? And so one example of, of many that you could choose is, again, in, in Matthew chapter 6, something that Jesus said. He said, the Gentiles seek after all these things. Gentiles being people that live as though there is no God. The Gentiles seek after all these things, meaning uh, food, clothing, material things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So in this battle over money and material things, he's, Jesus says, seek God first. Love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your minds, and then trust him for the material side of your life and the money. That's, that's one battle that we face. Another battle that we face in our world is the soul battle, the, the battle for what people believe about God and eternity. So Jesus gave us a purpose. He gave us an objective to fight for. It's found in Matthew chapter 28. We often call it the Great Commission. He said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." So, Jesus' command to us, the purpose that He has given us as individuals and as a church, is to make disciples. That's why our mission statement as a church, as Grace Point, is that we want to help more people become fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. So, we want to help more people become fully committed followers, not converts. That's not, where, that's not what we're out for, is to try to convert people from whatever belief system they have to our belief system, that they might now identify themselves as Christians, even that they might come to our church, maybe they even give money. That's not, that's not what we're out for. We're out for fully committed followers, disciples of Christ who say, God, I surrender my, my life. My life belongs to you, every area of my life. I will do what you ask me to do. I'm, I'm going to fail at it often. I'm going to have to get corrected. I'm going to have to get disciplined at times and put back on the right path. But I'm, I'm out to surrender all of that to you to be a fully committed follower. That, that's war. That's spiritual battle. Because, because quite honestly, in, in our world, we, we have a message of exclusivity in a culture of tolerance. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So our culture does not like that because what they prefer is the idea of, you know, we're really all on different paths to the same God. We're really all going to end up in a a good place. And so you believe what you believe and practice what you want to practice. I'm going to practice and believe what I want to practice and let's just get along and we're all going to end up in a good place. And Jesus says, no, no. It's it's not that way. And so our our message of exclusivity is not popular. It is it's war, it's it's spiritual battle. And so we need the promise that Jesus made to us of saying, I will be with you always. See, he says it in a positive way When, when God talked to Joshua, he said, I will never leave you. Jesus says, I will be with you always. Same idea. Because we need his presence. And so what provision do we have then? What are the supplies that we have for this spiritual battle? Well, in Acts 1.8, Jesus uh, tells us those before he went back to heaven. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power to be witnesses. This is, this is quite honestly what we're grappling with as, as leadership is exploring this whole idea of our revision statement. It is, it is what does it look like for Grace Point to be witnesses in the next coming years as we carry out his mission objective of saying we want to help more people become fully committed followers. What is that going to look like? How are we going to go after that? That's what we're That's what we're seeking God's will on. And so I would ask you even to continue to pray for that process. We've got some people working very hard on putting together, collating all the survey feedback that you guys gave us uh, last month. And so we're still in the process of doing that. Please pray for that process because we want to be really clear on our objectives. And we want to be really clear about what it is that God wants us to to do so we can accomplish his will and not our will. And he, he promises us every provision that we need. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses. You know, some of you were, were here probably a few weeks ago when we had the, the rabbi here as a guest from our, our neighboring uh, synagogue congregation And one of the things that I'm learning in my relationship with him, it's been so freeing, is is to realize, you know, I want to just be a witness to him um, of of Christ in in my life and the way I think and the way I believe. Quite honestly, I I don't have the goal and the hope that he's going to ever adopt um, what I believe about Jesus. We may always be on different pages about Jesus, Although I pray for that, I pray that that would be the case. But what's freeing for me is probably because he's in a totally different uh, faith tradition and believing something different about Jesus, I feel a freedom to just relate to him. Like, I'm, I'm, my goal with him is not to try to change his mind. My goal is just to be a witness of what Jesus has done in my life, and then I'm trusting God to do whatever he wants to do in the rabbi's life. That's true for every one of us in every one of our relationships. It's so freeing when you think about the people you work with, the neighbors you relate to, the family members that you care about so deeply and wish that they adopted your your point of view and that they would trust Christ for their salvation. It's so freeing when you realize your job is not to change their minds. Your job is just to be a witness Of what Christ has done in your life, and let God do the work that only He can do to regenerate someone, make their life new. God equips us for what He's called us to. War is scary, and so God ends this commissioning of Joshua, if you've still got this open, in verse 9. He says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Again, the promise of his presence, but he says, don't be afraid. I mean, war makes us afraid. Facing opposition makes us afraid. I love what Stonewall Jackson said during the Civil War. He said, I I feel as safe on the battlefield as I feel in my bed, because I know God is with me. He's ordained the day that he's going to take me home, and I'm, I'm ready for all that. I'm just here to do whatever he's called me to do. I'm as safe on the battlefield as I am in my bed. So this week, I hope you will become aware of the battles and identify the battles that are going on in your life that God has called you to. And I hope that you will write out, I I think it's worth sitting down and writing out that what is God's purpose for you in that battle. And then what is his promise to you? His promise, this, this is easy because it's the same for all of them. It's the promise of his presence, that he will be with you. He'll be as close as the sweater on, on your back, and he's not going anywhere. And then what is his provision? Identify, grab hold of a truth that God has given you, that that's your supply. That's your food. That's your nourishment to keep you going in that battle. Get ready for that battle someone is depending on you. Someone needs for you to win that battle in your life. Get get ready for it because God is wanting us to take ground for his kingdom each one of us where we're at. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your provision. Thank you that you don't call us to something difficult and then leave us on our own to try to to try to accomplish it ourselves. Thank you that you go with us and that you provide all the provisions that we will need. And I, I want to pray for the people in this room, for my friends in this room, who are fighting all kinds of battles that I am not even aware of, but you are. Lord, thank you that you promise us victory, that you are bigger than any bully in, in our lives. And so when we stay close to you, we know that victory is it is inevitable, and yet we know the battle can be difficult, and there can be um, injuries, there can be uh, losses along the way. Thank you, Lord, for your presence and for your provision. Lord, give us courage to serve you as you gave to Joshua, and Lord, take, take ground, uh, we pray, in this world around us. You didn't call us just to maintain what we have and protect what we have. You called us to move into that enemy territory. Give us courage and strength to do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.